This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. And monkey's might fly out of my butt. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host... Sean Ray. Sean. Shawnee, you're feeling a little loose. Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Alright, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I find it curious and satisfying that Halloween stores always pop up inside the corpse of dead businesses. Before we get Mm -hmm. started tonight, I want to remind (laughs) you that uh, you can find all of our episodes on InfinitePotato.com. Just click on the icon for Cosmic Potato and you'll find links to all the ways that you can contact us, including Facebook, Twitter, our email. That's uh, infinitepotato.com. Tonight, I am joined by Mr. Scott Madison. How are you, sir? It's my favorite time of year where you can see the leaves change color from green to brown, and you can see the corners of dollar stores turn from uh, from swimwear to Halloween. Yeah. Um, What sort of mask does Michael Myers wear in the original Halloween? A white painted James T. Kirk mask. It was. It was a $2 William Shatner mask. They spray painted white. And Rick is here as well. How are you, sir? You remind me of the babe. I forget what the next (laughs) line is or I would have, I would have kept it going. (laughs) 
what babe the babe with voodoo who do you do what famous magician died on halloween uh, houdini it was it was harry houdini that's correct and he did not die as a result of being punched when he wasn't ready for it that's an urban myth yeah yeah and the the what what did he die from i can't remember it did I, I don't know off Because I've also yeah. heard that he drowned in a tank of water that he was trying to escape from and stuff like well, that. The story was, okay, his, one of his shticks that he did was that he he would invite people to punch him in the stomach. He mm-hmm. had, you know, really worked on his abs and and he would invite, he would, he would like challenge people to try to, to knock him down by punching him in the gut. And if he was ready for it, he could take just about any punch, but this one like big ass football playing teenager came up and just sucker punched him when he wasn't ready for it. Yeah. And then the, the, the myth goes that he didn't realize that that had ruptured his appendix. And then he went on and did the, the, the water, the, the water chamber escape and his, he succumbed to his ruptured appendix and died in the water chamber. escape. I honestly don't know what actually killed him, but I do know that that's not a true story. Yeah. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to uh, be starting our Halloween series. And for the next uh, three episodes or so, assuming that nothing happens and we actually make three episodes between now and the 31st, um, our focus will be on movies and TV shows of the spooky variety. This week, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite movies and TV shows that were not necessarily scary enough to be considered horror. Uh, We're going to talk about our favorite family friendly things to, to watch. But uh, before we get into that, I watched a movie this afternoon and I haven't made any notes about this. I just, cause I just finished the movie a little while ago, but it's uh, it, it was called old and it's the new film from M night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Have you guys heard of it or seen it? Heard of it. I haven't watched a Shyamalan movie in a long time. Yeah. I haven't seen many of them. Uh, and I, I didn't watch old, but I watched the pitch meeting for old. So I feel like I've seen it. <laughs> the pitch meeting is accurate because <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's not okay. So it's not a bad movie. It's an interesting concept. And I'm not going to, every, every Shyamalan movie has a twist. What a twist. This particular twist is, uh, you can see it coming, you know, kind of what it's going to, what is going to happen before it happens. But, um, the, the writing is just so terrible. These people say things that like, they keep explaining who they are and, uh, what their job is and stuff like over and over and over. Like this guy's wife is having a seizure and the doctor comes up and the, of course the first thing he says is I'm a doctor. And, uh, he starts checking on her. The woman's having a seizure and her husband says, yes, I'm a nurse. My name is Jerry. <laughs> like, why, why are you telling him his, your name? <laughs> and then, and then when he, when, when the seizure kind of starts to subside, the doctor gets up and he starts to walk off and he said, and he, the, the guy looks at him and says, my name's Jerry, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, we got that, you know, but it's that kind of stuff all the way through it. They're, every time they have a conversation, somebody is explain they're explaining 
why they're saying something. Uh, there was there was one point where this woman is talking to a doctor, and she actually says in the conversation that has nothing to do with what her job is. She said she says I work as a curator at a museum. I'm telling you this so you won't think I'm hysterical. <laughs> you know. That kind of stuff. So it's just, but, uh, but my experience with Shyamalan is a lot like my experience with Michael Crichton. When when both of them are good, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like the Sixth Sense is genius. Yeah, I thought the Village was really good. I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, but I enjoyed the Village. But when they're not good, they're mm-hmm. awful. Like signs or Congo <laughs> yeah. or sphere. Um, you know, it's just like when they hit, they hit it out of the park, but when they don't hit, it's, ter- it's, it's a painful slog. Well, the, the whole premise of this movie is that they, uh, they go to this resort and from this resort, they get taken to a private beach where there's maybe three other families there and it's a, it's a private beach that there's a lot of rocks around it. The only way to get to it is through this Canyon and stuff. And, and um, they're hanging out on the beach and everything. And they eventually realize that time is being advanced quickly in, in where they are. And uh, the children are growing up and it doesn't seem to affect the adults as quickly as it affects the kids because they don't really start to look aged until towards the end of the movie. And also the children grow up really quick in the first 10 minutes that they're there, but then they don't get any older again for a long time <laughs> because well, that's, it's that's the same. Age. How, that's how people age though. You know, no, you, no, for, this is, from, supposed, this is supposed to be like every 30 minutes is like a year. And yeah. when they're, they're there for like eight hours and, uh, the, and, uh, the, the girl still looks the same as she did, you know, mm. and I know it's because it's the same actress or whatever, but you know, they're not really aging her up as quickly as they're saying things are, are, are supposed to be progressing, but wasn't Avatar the, or, or the last airbender Shemalon? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was that was just a a, a night, and I hadn't seen the TV show, and you know, that, that movie was just awful. Um, so yeah, I've never watched it because I never <laughs> heard anybody say it was good. We so. we went to see it because my my wife was a big Avatar fan, and so we saw it. And the only mm. thing I remember about it is that I was pleased to see Asif Manvi getting work. <laughs> that was. <laughs> All right, so um, before we move into our topic, I thought it'd be fun to. Uh, ask you guys a couple of uh, Halloween related questions. So um, what are a couple of your favorite costumes that you remember wearing as a kid? I did my, my favorite thing I ever did. Uh, Cause like for years I did a uh, shot up soldier. That was just my go-to as a kid. It was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. take a t-shirt, put a bunch of holes in it, put blood all over myself. I have a toy gun. Um, but in 1989-1990 uh after the Batman movie came out I I I have a picture it's a, like a polaroid somewhere stuck in a book I did a a, a really spot on joker outfit and oh yeah uh I I 
don't know where that picture is, but like I managed to find a a, a, a purple blazer at a thrift shop and a green shirt and uh, and and yeah, that was fun. No, 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 wait, no, there's one better. There's one better. Oh, I, oh, I got to tell this story. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know about the Noid? Oh yeah. The okay. Domino's thing, yeah. The Domino's Noid. Okay, I successfully avoided him all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, one the the year that the Noid was really the the big thing, I think it was probably like eighty six or eighty seven, something like that. Uh, my my friends Jeff and Glay had a, a a Halloween party, and so I decided I wanted to go as the Noid, and my my girlfriend Kathy helped me make the costume. You know, we got the shorts and the red tights and 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 a pair of. Uh, cool shoes you know the the high top black and white check sneakers that we all wore in the eight in the late 80s yeah um and you know a, a, a sweatshirt she made me the 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 big n and we took a pair of red <laughs> red pantyhose or red red tights rather and and made the headpiece and and put coat hanger wire in to get the to keep the, the ears sticking up and we we were and, and this was totally unplanned, but like about eleven thirty, we're all freaking hammered, and someone gets the idea: let's order Domino's pizza. <laughs> and and I had made this spear out of just a, a piece of aluminum pipe and a, a a curtain rod, plastic curtain rod finial that was just that was you know looked like a spear point. Um, and so we decide we 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 all put in take we take up a collection we all put in and we order a small cheese pizza to be delivered from Domino's and I hide around the corner and we waited until as Big soon spenders. as you had to take up a collection to buy a well, small well, cheese well, pizza. Well, just listen, <laughs> there, there was a reason we didn't want to put too much money into this because the plan yeah. was as soon as Jeff paid the guy, I came running around the corner. Speared the pizza, threw it on the ground, screaming my head off, jumping up and down on top of the pizza. He <laughs> lost it. He was like, I am, I was so pissed I had to work Halloween, but you guys just made my night. <laughs> 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 and, you know, this was, you know, 1986, 87. So nobody, cell phones didn't exist. There are no pictures of this, no video whatsoever. But that was the best Halloween experience I ever had. And I really wish there was some documentation of it, but it was, it was fun <laughs> as hell. Um, I think my, I mean, early on, I remember in the, in the early eighties for children, our costumes were a plastic mask with the rubber band on the back of it that you mm-hmm. wear. And then a plastic shirt with a picture of what you're dressed up as. You know, so I had several of those growing up and I I remember dressing as He-Man, Woody Woodpecker one year, (laughs) uh, like Donald Duck one year or whatever. When I I, had the Planet of the Apes once, I think. Yeah. And 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 Superman with the little red, the little red mask. Yeah. And one year I did uh, actually decide that I wanted to wear a costume instead of just one of those store-bought deals. And I probably was... 11 or 12 or something. And I had a plastic mask that was just like the black over the eyes mask. So I decided, Hey, I'm going to be Zorro, you know? So I wore that thing. The only thing that I bought was, um, I went and bought a cape and it was like a, it was a Dracula cape, but I was using it as a Zorro cape. And then I wore like a white button up shirt and some slacks. And, and I had a, a plastic sword that had like a little tip on the end of it. And, and all of that, so I was like, I'm Zorro. <laughs> Slick my hair back and everything. So 
that one was fun. And then, and then as an adult one year, I dressed as Superman, but I just, I just wore a suit and I just had the shirt undone and I had a Superman shirt up <laughs> underneath it and I wore a pair of glasses with no lenses in them. <laughs> what about you, Scott? That, that's clever. That's a, that's a nice uh, budget Superman costume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've been this whole time you guys have been talking about it. I haven't really been able to come up with a whole lot of examples. I don't remember many of my Halloween costumes. Um, I know that in elementary school, I was a hobo one year. Uh, we just found some, some old clothes that we didn't need anymore. And mom like cut them up. We didn't put a lot of effort into it because they were clean clothes. They were not like made up to look like dirty, dirty clothes. Yeah. So it was obviously uh, some clean old clothes with holes cut out of them. Discreet holes, not any <laughs> tears or frayed stuff. Um, my biggest thing was I had an oversized necktie that I would uh, fake blow my nose into uh, while sitting in the hallway. Um, well, did, did you grow up? Are, are, okay, I, it, this is terrible. You're in Wisconsin, right? Michigan. There you go. That I, I <laughs> I'm in Florida, so the two are kind of interchangeable to me, and I, I knew I had the wrong one. Um, but you grew up there, right? Uh, yeah, I've been in the same city all my life. So your Halloween's consisted of spending a lot of time on a costume and then having to put on a huge ass coat over it because it was forty degrees out or thirty. So, degrees some out. sometimes, yeah, we would have to put coats over it depending on the warmth of the costume itself. Uh, yet, oddly enough. That ain't how it is anymore because mm. it doesn't really start to get cold around here until like Thanksgiving. Define cold. You, you usually I usually I call cold like you know if it's freezing then it's cold. Okay. Yeah. If it's down into like the fifties, it's chilly. If it's mm. in the forties, it's really chilly. <laughs> if it's if it's freezing or below, then it's cold and. Uh, if it gets down to single digits, then it's really cold. <laughs> yeah, we had it. We had one year when the kids were little that we had a cold snap before, like early in the fall. So um, it was in the 30s on Halloween, and we were getting ready to go trick or treating. My wife was like, "Their costumes are going to be ruined because they're going to have to wear their coats over their costumes." I was like, "Put more clothes on under the costume, <laughs> like put a sweatshirt on them under the costume, or whatever." So that's what we do. Just, you know, layers. <laughs> that's what I usually do anyway. I hardly ever wear a, like a coat all the time anyway. So before we start tonight's topic, I do have something I want to talk about when we're done talking about Halloween costumes. Um, the only other thing I, I, I thought I'd ask you guys, what's the first actual horror movie that you remember watching? I can tell you. And it's messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Alien. Oh, okay. That was actually going to be my answer, too. It's possible that I technically saw a horror movie before that, but it's the first one that comes to mind when I think of being young and watching a uh, a movie that was designed to be horrific. Mm-hmm. And I know it was that one. And I was warned, maybe don't eat while you're watching it, so, of course, being the young idiot kid that I was, I had spaghetti <laughs> during the first chestburster scene. I was fine. I was fine. 
actually, I guess technically Jaws would actually be the first one if you count if you consider Jaws a horror movie, which I know it kind of. Uh, I guess maybe, it. I guess it works. Maybe. It's more of a, it's a more mon- of a thriller. I think it's, it's more yeah. of a monster movie than a, yeah. than a horror movie. Um, which I guess Alien is too. But I think I think the, the Jaws I saw under duress. I did not want to go. My mother and I disagreed with this story to the day she died. <laughs> Everybody wanted to see Jaws. I did not, and I was too young to stay at home. And then after the first kill, I was like, I just, can I go sit in the lobby? And she was like, no. And then I, I was afraid of the bathtub for years. It just, I, Jaws totally messed me up. But the first horror movie I saw voluntarily on, you know, with malice aforethought was Alien. The first one that I, that I remember watching, we, um, when I got to be about, 12 or 13, I decided I wanted to have a Halloween party and I wanted to invite some friends over. We were going to watch a movie. We were going to, uh, uh, we're going to have some pizza, you know, stuff like that. And, um, my mom took me to the video store and I said, I want to get something scary. Okay. I picked out psycho two (laughs) and my mom, my mom had never seen she was not one to watch horror movies, so she had not seen anything. I don't think, I think she realized that it was going to be violent. I don't think she realized the amount of boobs that were going to be in it, uh, because they amp up the boobs between Psycho and Psycho 2. Um, it's not hard to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you only need a couple. You only need um, one, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they, um, uh, but I think we got about, halfway through it before she finally just said no we're going to turn this off and it wasn't because she thought that it was too graphic for us to watch it was more that she was afraid that my friend's parents were going to call her complaining (laughs) (laughs) but she had let us watch that Um, and let me clarify something uh we didn't rent alien i went and saw it in the movies this was 1979 i was 16 and uh convinced my mom to let me go and see an R-rated film it was my first R-rated movie, and it has since become one of my all-time favorite films. I still consider it to be the best piece of science fiction cinema from the 20th century, and I will die on that hill. Uh, but man, did it mess me up at the time! I was so not ready for that movie. <laughs> yeah, hey, I remember my cousin making me watch Thriller when I was like five years old, and I I went, <laughs> I was hiding behind the couch. <laughs> Um, all right, Rick, what'd you say? What'd you want to talk about? I watched star Wars visions. Have you guys watched it yet? I watched the first episode. I haven't seen the rest of them. We've watched all of them and boy, is it good. Um, I like the first one because it, it, it was not, it did not feel like star Wars. It felt like something else. It was, if, if you know anything about the history of star Wars, early, Mufuni samurai movies were some of Lucas's strongest inspirations for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And all of them are basically are well, they're all in various different anime styles. Uh the only one I didn't care for was the penultimate one, Lop and Ocho. And not because I didn't like the story, but it just sort of stopped mid-story. It didn't end, it just stopped. 
Uh, and I was well on my way to it being my favorite one. And then it didn't end. It just, it just stopped. <laughs> for, for so one, choose your own adventure word. story. <laughs> it, it, but not even, there wasn't yeah. even a, you know, go this way or that way. It just stopped. Sorry for repeating myself, but if you've seen it, you know what I mean? Um, but they're really good. They're, it's kind of like um, what I'm enjoying about what if, when I like it. It, it it really harkens back to the like the short stories that I used to read when I was when I was a, like a teenager, and a young adult. The the you know the they're all for the most part little self contained stories, uh, with a very you know with the you know kind of a feudal Japanese bent to it, but they really work. You know the 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 Jedi as an allegory for the samurai. Except it's not an allegory anymore. It's just Jedi as samurai. And, and it, it just, it really works. And I'm, I, I'm hoping there'll be a season two. Yeah. The one that I watched, uh, the first one, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was, it was straight up just an animated samurai story because yeah. they weren't even trying to hide the fact that the lightsaber was a samurai sword. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, if they had taken that droid out of it, and uh, with the back with the with the straw basket on yeah his head. yeah, yeah. Just... they i mean it, it could have it could have just been a, a samurai story uh didn't have to be star wars at all mm-hmm. but yeah i'm gonna watch the rest of them i just uh haven't had time yet but yeah i did like that first one i did and i like how short they are because it's just like a little like a little yeah, vignette i think the longest one maybe 15 minutes if not, yeah or, yeah all right so let's face it we all like halloween uh, most of us have m- most of us have kids uh that have kids know that once you become a parent um uh, this holiday is more about them than it is about you you know so it's candy and costumes and all the things that they like to do and it's it's actually a lot of fun to help your kids pick out a costume i i used to love taking my kids to like spirit halloween and help them pick out their costume that they're going to have that year and and all that kind of stuff so uh I want to talk about some family-friendly movies. It's not a rule that they have to be made for kids, but something that wouldn't be com- it wouldn't be completely irresponsible for an adult to let a child watch this. You know, <laughs> so I don't think you should sit down with a six-year-old and watch Rob Zombie's Halloween. You know, no. but uh, but if you think that's okay, we can we can discuss that too. Don't do that. <laughs> I remember when I was. Uh, a very young parent. My, my, my daughter was probably four or five. She was playing in the other room and I was flipping through the channels and I came across, um, uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. It was on like HBO or something. And I, I mean, it was halfway through it. So I just, they were setting up a kill scene. So I, I was watching that one scene didn't realize that she had come out of the bedroom and she was standing right behind me watching it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, she started saying, why is he doing that? Daddy? <laughs> like, oh yeah. He's, he's just a, he's just a bad guy, baby. <laughs> My mother was terrible about in any way being aware of what was inappropriate to have on for children, because I have so many 
emotional scars from movies that she watched when I happened to be in the room uh, or <laughs> in the back of the car and not asleep at the drive-in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they would, they would do things like, you know, uh, the, the, it would be a double feature of 101 Dalmatians and freaking Barbarella. <laughs> and I didn't realize I had seen Barbarella until I tried to watch it as an adult in that scene with the little snapping dolls. And I'm like, I remember that. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> oh. Scott, why don't you start us off? Uh ooh. Let's see. Halloween style movies that are okay for family. I, I'll, I'll, I'll get this one out of the way because I'm, I'm unsure about this one. This one might be a wasted shot. I don't know. Um, I've seen it once and thinking back on it, I seem to recall that it was more or less okay. It's not, it's not like a lighthearted family film necessarily, but I don't think it's one that would necessarily, that, that would have to be traumatizing for, for a kid. I think that uh you know young adults can probably watch it just fine. These days they probably even you know more okay with it because you know today's kids are adults. <laughs> it's just <laughs> how it is. Um but I I recall thinking that the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox directed by Peter Jackson was a not offensive, not too terrifying film that a fairly wide audience could probably enjoy. Did either yeah. of you guys see I loved it. I think if your kids were teenagers, they'd be fine. I mean, 12 and up, probably. I mean, there might be some scary images for a younger kid or whatever, but it's funny. That, that's that's the big thing. The, kid, uh, the mm-hmm. kids are going to find it are going to find a lot of parts of it funny, but so, yeah, I, I think back kind of, and I consider the fact that it's been over 20 years since I saw it the one time and the humor is not what sticks out to me. It's the, the more, I guess the more thriller type aspects of it. Um, the, the scarier parts, I don't recall a lot of it being very gross, but there were points where it could get intense. Let's say. We got the old the old cowboy looking ghost that basically starts humping a mummy, <laughs> and he said he says something like, "I like it when they lay still like that" or something like that. <laughs> See, I I I've again like you. I've watched it once uh, on video. Uh, I don't even it, and it was it was by myself. It was long before I became a parent. Um, I don't recall it being particularly scary but I don't know that I would show it to a young child. I think, I think, yeah, you're right. As a, a teenager would be totally fine with it. Um, I think it's rated PG 13. So it probably, yeah. Um, you know, I remember it was kind of like, I've never seen this and I've heard a lot of people talk about it. And so I rented it or I watched it on, you know, I, I, I don't think I streamed it. I don't think it was that recent. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I barely remember. I, I all I really remember is the zombie cowboy dude, and and that I saw it, and I don't remember this in the wallpaper thing. And Gary Busey's son as yep. the the villain. I I remember clearly that uh, Jake Busey was yeah was the antagonist. Couldn't remember his name. Yeah, 
All right. Rick, what about you? Well, I was worried that I wasn't going to have much to add tonight because we, I, I love Halloween. Uh, Halloween was, is, has always been one of my favorite uh, holidays pre becoming a parent. Um, my wife isn't particularly into Halloween. Neither of my kids are into scary movies. So, you know, for like the past 20 years, Halloween has been, what do you want to dress up as this year, honey? We'd go out on the 30th and that would be it. Um, the 30th, but what, hmm? Halloween's on the 31st. I, I can never keep it. Straight. My, my, <laughs> my mother's birthday was either the 30th or 31st of March. I couldn't tell you to this day when it, which one it was. So, <laughs> um, numbers. I don't do numbers. <laughs> I think I need to get, I think I need to see a psychiatrist because I do, I literally have a mental problem with numbers. Um, well, then you would enjoy how my mother says her birthday. What's that? If she doesn't really want to tell people her birthday, she says, my birthday is, one, two, three, four, and five, but not in that order. <laughs> one, one, two, three, four, five, figure it out. <laughs> but I did a Google search for family-friendly Halloween movies because the thing is, most of the movies that I think of with Halloween are very not family-friendly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I imagine eventually we'll get to the, the, the scary stuff, and a lot of you will be very surprised given my squeamishness with horror movies some of the movies I absolutely love, but that's not our topic tonight. Um, but there, one that my daughter loves and has loved for several years. And even we had a great Halloween one year dressing up as a theme was and is Ghostbusters. She loves the original Ghostbusters and, uh, oh, geez has to be five years ago. Uh, she wanted to be a Ghostbuster for Halloween. So we got her the Ghostbuster uh, uh, jumpsuit and got her, got a, you know, the, the jumpsuit just is just a, the generic jumpsuit with the, with the Ghostbuster symbol. So um, I, Brock told me where to get her name, uh, you know, for, for the, for the, for the name tag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where to order that? Because this was after this was after we had met Brock at, at or after I had met Brock at, at uh, Magic City Comic Con or Magic mm-hmm. City Con, um, and I dressed up as the Stay Puft Marshmallow. My, my wife got a got a Ghostbusters jumpsuit too, so they were they were both as Ghostbusters uh, with inflatable proton packs. We weren't you know spending hundreds on yeah <laughs> proton packs, um, but we I got like a a a, a extra large white sweatpants and extra large sweatshirt and and basically pillow batting and stuffed the whole thing and did my face up white and my wife made the little marshmallow man hat uh, that i still have <laughs> in a box somewhere uh and we went you know we always go to the mall because you know this is modern day you don't just wander around a neighborhood with a with an eight-year-old anymore uh and we went to the mall and we had more pictures taken of us <laughs> yeah. than we were taking of other, of other, I mean, people at the stores were like, Oh my God, we got to get a picture of this. Um, and my daughter loves Ghostbusters. She watched all of the real Ghostbusters. And I'm sorry. I know you guys grew up with that, with that show. It's terrible. It's awful. No, it's it's like, 
it's like a 45 record played at 33. It is so slow and so badly acted and so terribly written, but she loved it. So I didn't say a word. <laughs> it ain't the, the other Ghostbusters cartoon based on the old, old TV series. Mm-hmm. The one with the, with the gorilla and the, and they yeah. shoot bubble gum at the ghost and stuff like, yeah. No, this this was the real Ghostbusters with Garfield as as Vinkman. <laughs> well, Lorenzo first was, music. First, it was Lorenzo <laughs> music, and then uh, he left, and Dave Coulier took over as the yeah. voice of Vinkman. Uh, but he that being fine. said, I have he not subjected great. her to Ghostbusters two. I uh, I only saw Ghostbusters two once, and it was the f- okay. There's nothing wrong with well, like I'm looking around like someone's watching. <laughs> It was the first time I ever dropped acid and we went and saw Ghostbusters 2 and it was still <laughs> barely watchable. I'm sorry. I'm, if you like that movie, God bless you, but I thought it was awful. There's nothing wrong with that movie. You hate everything, though. So <laughs> I hate everything. Yes, I do. But I'm really I looking call it bad. I, I wouldn't call it as good as the first one. No, it wasn't as good as the it, first one. But it I wouldn't call it a bad movie. I thought Peter McNichol did a, did a fine job. I thought he was he was very I thought he was very entertaining. There were aspects of it that were enjoyable, but the whole thing felt like, hey, kids like the cartoon. Let's make the movie into the cartoon. Egon's hair was two stories tall and, well, yeah. and the slime. It, it was the right color, at least. It was it was the it was the Ghostbusters equivalent of Wayne's World 2, where they went, let's do all the jokes we did in the first movie, but more. <laughs> Which is why I don't think they better ever never do a, a Galaxy Quest 2. Because this is what happens when you when you do a sequel to a comedy. It's always just let's do the same jokes over and over again, but more so. And that's why Ghostbusters is a good family Halloween movie. (laughs) Now, the real Ghostbusters cartoon show did. I, I, I recall very clearly that after Ghostbusters 2 came out. They did an episode that followed up on the movie. Oh, the whole last season had aspects of the movie in it. Like they they finally put uh, they finally put Lewis in it. He hadn't been in the show before, and uh, and some the 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 vehicle was updated to match the movie. Yeah, I I recall that because I think throughout the entirety of the of the cartoon they were all wearing uniforms that were different colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There were, there were four different color uniforms at play. Um, and uh, they decided to, to do an episode once about, you know, why they're wearing those uniforms and why they don't look like they do in the movies. And they explained it as after their battle with Vigo, the, the original uniforms they wore had been saturated with that ghost slime. So they took the uniforms off and put them in boxes and they were going to deal with them later. And then they, you know, then they left and they walked away and those uniforms covered in slime uh, became sentient and, and rose up as like, essentially think like mirror universe versions of the Ghostbusters. Yeah. (laughs) So evil slime doppelgangers of the Ghostbusters rose up and filled those suits. And then they had to fight evil versions of themselves uh, by the end of that episode. And I thought that was super clever because they even, they name dropped Vigo from the movie. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, that was the first time that I had seen or heard um, a direct uh, connection between the cartoon and the movies. They released a comic book when, uh, when Ghostbusters two came out, it used to be a big thing that, um, they would release like a comic book version of a lot of movies that were aimed towards kids and stuff like that. They had like the, the entire movie in comic book form, but in the cartoon versions. So it was like the, the real Ghostbusters versions of the characters playing out the movie, you know, I wish I still had that. (laughs) All right. The first one on my list is Ernest scared stupid. I'm starting with one of my favorites because I was a big fan of Ernest when I was a kid. And I remember this movie came out in the theaters, but for some reason we didn't go see it in the theaters. I think it was just a, my parents were too busy to take me or something like that. But, um, and back then when a movie came out, in the theater, it didn't immediately come out on video a couple months later, especially if it was a holiday movie, it would come out on video the next year, you know? So you had to wait until the next Halloween for Ernest scared stupid to come out on video. But um, there was often a good like six to 12 months between the movie hitting the theaters coming out on video. Mm-hmm. That ain't how it is anymore. But back when we were kids, Oh, that knowing something was out in the theaters and knowing that you weren't going to get a chance to go out and see it in the theaters. That weight was interminable. <laughs> you freaking kids. <laughs> we were lucky to get a movie on TV in five years after it was in the cinema. <laughs> and the, we didn't have video. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> this was the last uh, Ernest movie that was made with a studio backing it. So the, the contract with Touchstone ran out. At, with with this movie and they didn't think that going forward these movies were going to make enough money uh so they uh they didn't make any more though that's why the, the the earnest movies that came out after scared stupid are all independent releases uh and that's why they were all straight to video and stuff this one came out in theaters it was the last one that came out in theaters i don't remember the timeline of any of the earnest movies so you had earnest goes to camp came out in mm-hmm. the late 80s and in Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail, and Ernest Set Scared Stupid. Those were all theatrical releases. And then straight to video after that was stuff like, I can't remember, all, like Ernest Goes to School, Ernest Goes to Africa, Ernest uh, Rides Again, you know, Ernest in the Army, I think. I think there was like 10 of them all together. Um, I know Slam Dunk Ernest was one of yeah, them. Yeah, Slam Dunk Ernest, that was I, another one. For me, For me, there's no beating Ernest Goes to Jail. Yeah, I, yeah, I love that one too. But I, um, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that shit tomorrow if someone wanted to. <laughs> Say, hey, you want to watch Ernest Goes to Jail? So you're damn right, I want to watch Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> There's a video out. I don't know if either of y'all have seen it. Uh, it's from, judging by the way Barney looks, very close to when he passed away. But it's from a news report about him and about how uh, we we all had no idea what an amazing actor he was. He was, he was a, uh, an, an incredibly uh, accomplished Shakespearean actor. I think just happened to fall this, into this. I hmm? think within the past couple of weeks, I think we, we might've talked about this, but, but this is no, but this isn't, you know, there, there is the video of him doing a little bit of Hamlet. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. There's a, there's, there's a, a news. It, it's, I don't know if it's a news report or like a, you know, like a 2020 kind of article or something. 
where he's doing bits from the importance of being earnest. And every now and then he'd throw in a little, he would throw in in character. Know what I mean? <laughs> he did a skit on, uh, uh, there was a show that the guys from the state on MTV did after the state went off the air. It was called Viva La Show or something. Like that. I don't remember. Viva Variety. With, Viva uh, Variety. Yeah. And uh, they had Tom, him come Tom, on. Tom Lennon was there. Michael Ian Black was on it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was a scene from the importance of being earnest, which I recognized immediately because I played earnest once upon a time. And oh, you yeah. see, that is my all time favorite play that I've never been involved in a production of i love that show and i've never had a chance to do it i i don't need to be in it i just want to do the importance of being earnest and he's he's brilliant in this but it's very clear that it's very close to the end of his life he's very gaunt well you know he was only 50 when he died but he yeah uh, he but but he he was a heavy smoker yeah 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 lots of cancer and lots of alcohol yeah. yeah. Um, but Ernest, Ernest scared stupid was, was <laughs> different. It had, it had the same character that Jim Varney always played, but there was, uh, there were some parts of this that were actually pretty scary. There was a scene where a little girl finds a troll in her bed that I would put up against some scenes from some classic monster movies and stuff. Uh, and the troll turns kids into like little wooden dolls and it's kind of creepy when that happens and stuff. So, but the whole premise of the movie, there's this uh there's this troll named Trantor and it attacked a village a couple of centuries ago and this witch cast a spell on the troll and imprisoned it under a tree and then it was sealed by a village elder who was named Phineas Whirl and uh the witch said that only a member of his bloodline could, could unleash it and cut to Ernest and uh he's friends with a bunch of kids that have a tree house in that tree <laughs> and there's a scene where he says she told me about this troll that had red glowing eyes and walks like this <laughs> and if he ever gets loose he'll go after the children first and he turns them into little wooden dolls which gives him his power and that ugly little rascal is still alive down there but- <laughs> Well, the legend says that it could only be aw- be awakened on the night before Halloween. And one of the kids says, like tonight. And he says, when a whirl, and they said, like you, knocks on the tree like this and says, yeah, I call thee fourth Trantor. But what are the chances of that happening? course it wakes up the troll you know so that's the whole that's the whole deal but um you know but i'm uh yeah yeah uh ernest scared is the is the capital planet of isaac asimov's galactic empire okay (laughs) which on apple plus has premiered this week as we're recording uh foundation which I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to watch it yet because I don't have Apple Plus. You can get a free week. You get a week for free when you sign up. On, on does it have to be on an Apple machine? Uh, what do you have? I I have a TV and I have a PC. I don't do Apple. Oh no, <laughs> you can watch it on your PC. Yeah. Oh okay. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I thought you meant like what you're watching it on, on your TV. It has to be, it can't be, um, I don't think it has to be Apple TV. I you don't, don't think have to have has, an Apple, an Apple TV. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, yeah I it don't can't think be you, a, it can't be a, um, a Google device is what I'm saying. It can't be like a Chromecast is not going to work. The Apple app is not going to work on Chromecast because they're competitors. Will it work on, on, but it'll work on your, uh, no, because that's, uh, Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. I like to watch it on my computer, but yeah, it'll work on your computer. Okay. You know what I'm going to say as far as how to get it. Yeah. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. I know what you're not going to say anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I, I loved the foundation books. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this series, but I'm also thoroughly resigned to the fact that it's going to have very little resemblance to the actual books. Cause just watching the trailers, it's like, wow, none of that stuff happened in the books. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Rick, what's the next one on your list? All right. Uh, a lot of this was kind of guesswork, as I said before, but, um, there is, are, is one, one set of movies that my, my youngin and I have watched together. And it's independent of, of the time of year, but I think they're appropriate for this discussion. Uh, and that is the Scooby Doo movies. Scooby Doo the movie and most recently Scoob. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I did not expect to like Scoob. Um, Scooby Doo the movie has a has a, a special place in my heart because it came out in two thousand two, uh, and my wife and I saw it on our honeymoon. Um, and it's it's silly, it's goofy. I can't say I'm thrilled with who the bad guy turned out to be, but. It's still, it's a fun movie. It made me laugh when I saw it though, because I, <laughs> I took my son to see it when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think the casting was great. Sarah Michelle Geller, Geller as Daphne. Um, oh, I forget the name of the, the, the actor, actress who played Velma, but she's perfect. Um, Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Linda yeah, Cardellini. She's uh, 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 wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't Freaks realize or it's beautiful. Hmm? Yes. I didn't realize what a, what, what a crush I had on Velma until that movie came out. And then I was like, I'm on my honeymoon. So I really can't acknowledge it, but (laughs) Um, be be clear. You didn't have a crush on Velma. You had a crush on Linda Cardellini. No. Linda Cardellini is amazing. Well, she is, but also as a kid, (laughs) anyway, um, touche. All right. Freddie Prince Jr. As Fred was perfect. Uh, the, the, the dude that played Shaggy, I don't know his name, but Matthew Lillard is Shaggy. (laughs) He was awesome. Yeah. You know, any, if anyone other than Casey Kasem was going to do Shaggy, it's him. Um, but have you guys seen Scoob? The most recent. No, not yet. I sure had. Yeah. I've been meaning to. Fantastic. It's, 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 um, okay. Whole sentences. You know how when you watch, the Bugs Bunny cartoons, and there's like two levels to it. There's what's happening on the screen that your kids can dig, and then there's the 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 subversive satirical humor that adults get. Mm-hmm. Scoob is very much that. Um, aside from the fact that there are tons of references to the original show 
and the and the seventies that the kids aren't going to get. There's very much a a, a a subversive satirical air to it that really works for the movie. Um, the only problem I had with it is that Blue Falcon and Dynamut play a big role or a big part of the movie. And I'm not going to give any spoilers because if you haven't seen it, I you, you really have to experience all of it. Except for the fact, and I had an argument with my wife about this, and I had to go to the internet and prove that I knew what I was talking about. Because Dynamut used to talk like this, BF, right? And that was Dynamut. But in this, in Scoob, I, some, some name is voicing Dynamut, and he's, I'm Dynamut. And I'm like, Dynamut never talked like that. And my wife was like, yes, he did. And then I had to find clips of actual Dynamut in his goofy voice. Um, that bothered me a little bit, but overall Scoob is a hell of a lot of fun. (laughs) Well, there's a ton. I put in my notes towards the end that when in doubt, reach for a Scooby-Doo movie, because there are a ton of these animated Scooby-Doo movies that they've made over the last 20 years or so that, uh, for some reason, suddenly like the monsters are real. (laughs) That's that's why I don't, I don't mention the others. Scoop, Scooby-Doo the movie and Scoob are very much in the, in the, this is all bullshit being perpetrated by bad humans. Uh, well, mostly. <laughs> Except for who the bad guy turns out to be in Scooby-Doo the movie. But it's still, it's all, it, none of it is, turns out to be actually supernatural, which is one of the things I loved about Scooby-Doo, is that it was one of the earliest skeptical shows. It was all about critical thinking it was like you've got a ghost haunting your your abandoned amusement park no you don't you have a guy who discovered there's oil under it who's trying to scare everybody away um and you know all of the scooby-doo tv show was like that it was never a real ghost it was always some you know old man smithers trying to pull off a caper when a lot of the the later scooby-doo shows came out and i was like that was really zombies. That's not Scooby-Doo. What the hell? Uh, you know, I didn't like those. Um, but Scooby-Doo the movie and Scoob don't do that. Yeah. Now there's one where Scooby-Doo and Kiss, and I don't remember the plot line, but damn, that movie is an acid trip and a <laughs> on an amusement park. I mean, that's what it was about. On an amusement <laughs> park. God, there was one that we watched. Uh oh yeah. Uh, Scooby-Doo meets like WrestleMania, like John Cena was in it and stuff like that. So they had, had a bunch of, bunch of the more modern wrestlers. Cause it wasn't, but you know what? That is old. totally in keeping with the Scooby-Doo of the sixties and seventies. Oh yeah. You yeah. Know, Scooby-Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters meets Abbott Costello meets, you know, Batman everybody who, yeah. Yeah. Everybody who was anybody in the seventies ended up on a Scooby-Doo show. Don Knotts, Gary Coleman. I'm pretty sure they meant the castaways from Gilligan's Island at one mm-hmm. point. And Sean, here you're talking about uh, uh, you know, wrestling and having to meet John Cena. I, were you trying to get a spit take from me? <laughs> you had to say that while I was taking a drink. Come on. But it was weird because they couldn't see him. Well, listeners, this has been a fun show. We John hope you Cena. enjoyed it. Join us next time when you might hear John. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh Scott, what's the next one on your list? Um 
I anticipate, well, well, first off, I'll say this is not a criticism. I anticipated more people to be on this panel. So I thought the chances would be higher that someone was going to bring up the nightmare before Christmas and try to consider it a, a, you know, uh, a dual purpose Christmas and Halloween movie. John has made that argument on the show before. He said it works as either a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie. mm -hmm. I've never watched it all the way through because I, 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 I think that visually it's a great movie, but I also think it's a really boring movie. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I was afraid that I was going to be the first one to say it. Y'all would give me shit about hating everything. I don't like oh, it. I don't movie. hate it. I mean, like I said, visually, I think it's, it's gorgeous. It's, yeah. it's got some great stuff, but, but it's boring. It's, it's a musical all the way through. And I, you know, and it just, I get, I get tired of it. I, I don't find the need to watch it every Christmas like some people do. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't need to go back and see it. I think a lot of the music is really interestingly done because, you know, Danny Elfman is, uh, uh, is very, very much a genius. I don't necessarily need to hear him sing, which you, you end up doing throughout the whole movie. Does he, he voiced Jack? <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, Sar- Chris Sarandon voiced Jack, uh, it, as the, the speaking actor. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me, but Chris Sarandon did not sing. Danny Elfman oh. did all of Jack's singing. I well, almost the whole movie is singing. Yeah, there's not a lot of speaking. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, but you know, I don't need to go back and watch that movie over and over again. And I assumed that someone was going to uh, cite that movie on this list. But when I think of that style, and I think of that, uh, well, it, he was he was a producer. <laughs> Excuse me. I think he came up with the story and he produced it. This would be Tim Burton. Um, but when I try to think of something that's more fitting as a Halloween movie, Corpse Bride is really what comes to my mind first before Nightmare Before Christmas. I yeah. think that I think that Nightmare overshadows this movie quite a bit. Yeah, you know, it, it's a, a Tim Burton story, Tim Burton aesthetic, Tim Burton produced. Um, uh, oh, what's the what's the director's name? Um, I think it might be. I think it might be Selick. I think it might be uh, Henry Selick. I've never seen it. Uh, you haven't seen Corpse Bride? It's. Nope. I. I think it. Personally, I think it's really good. Um, I've seen it once when my, when my kids were smaller. I, I. I. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do know along those same lines. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Coraline. Um, that movie is creepy as. Yeah, Coraline is kind of creepy. Especially yeah. with the the the, the button eyed people and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Corpse Ride was directed by Mike Johnson and Tim Burton. Oh, okay. So um, I, I thought it was the same director as uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, but I it was incorrect. Um, but and yet you can you can see a lot of Tim Burton's DNA in it, um, like for the design of uh, of the dog. I can't remember the name of the dog in, in Corpse Bride, but uh, it it bears, I believe it bears, the dog bears resemblances to Frankenweenie, which is one of Tim Burton's like early, early films. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a short film. They they eventually adapted it into a full-length film, which I didn't bother to watch because why? Yeah. Um, but everything, all the characters and their uh, pale skin and their sunken eyes and just a creepy look throughout, very Tim Burton. Uh, also very Tim Burton, the fact that Johnny Depp uh, voices the main character. 
Uh, and Helen yeah. Bottom Carter voices the corpse bride. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp had a, I don't know, there was a thing about Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. They hooked up a lot <laughs> for, a, for a while there. Have you ever heard the theory that uh, the corpse bride is a prequel to uh, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas? No. I, I think I've heard a mention of it, but I recall zero details of the theory. Hey, well, it's just that uh, the 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 male lead from uh, the Corpse Bride, when he dies, he becomes Jack Skellington. I will say this: I'm I'm looking through the voice cast trying to figure out who played the dog, and it doesn't say. But something I didn't know is Jane Horrocks has two roles in the movie, and I absolutely adore her. You don't know who she was, who she is, not was. She was Bubble in Abfab. And also she did an incredible movie called Tiny Voice or Little Voices. She's an amazing actor. Uh, she was also in an episode of Red Dwarf. Uh, if, if you don't know who Jane Horrocks is, you really owe it to yourself to find out. She's incredible. She 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 voiced Black Widow and Mrs. Plum, if that helps. <laughs> the next one on my list is Monster House from 2006. So saw the ads never saw the movie. This is a movie that I had every I reason to hate because of the way that I saw it. Because my wife won tickets to a special preview of the film a few days before it was released. And surprisingly, so did about a thousand other people because this theater was <laughs> elbow to elbow every seat had somebody sitting in it and i generally do not enjoy that um i don't i don't usually go to see movies on opening weekend just to avoid that but and my wife's parents went with us we had enough tickets uh for them to go with us and they ended up having to sit somewhere else in the theater because there were not enough seats together but but then the movie was great i fell in love with the with the style of it it was not the first movie that they that they did like uh, this motion capture being used for an entire film because the Polar Express had done it a couple of years before that, but they improved on it and uh, the textures and the shading were so good. Uh, the kids really enjoyed it. We ended up buying it when it came out on uh, DVD, but the story was really good and creepy as all get out because the the, the premise is that there's this old man uh, voiced by Steve Buscemi, I think that um, he lives in a haunted house and this house will eat people. Uh, there's three kids that investigate it, you know, when, and when you go into finding out what the story is behind this house, it actually turns into, it's kind of heartbreaking, but it's also really, really creepy. And, uh, and I was, I was kind of surprised that the movie went to the point that it went, but it was not anything it wasn't anything that was too much for kids, but there were, there are some scary images. Uh, I think we need to get Gracie's opinion on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, she, she's the one that wanted to buy it when it came out on DVD. She loved it. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they, I mean, yeah, dad thinks this movie was great, but we're all messed up for the rest of our lives. Really young kids. <laughs> I don't recommend it because there were some young kids that were there that got hauled out screaming. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's, especially towards the end, there's, there's a big scene where the house is alive and it's trying to eat them and, and all that kind of stuff, you know? So, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's a good movie. I think it's, uh, 
I think it's great for adults or kids. And it's got, like I said, the animation is still, I think, holds up. I mean, it's not, obviously some things have been done since then, like some of the Pixar stuff and everything, but, uh, but I, I still think that it holds up. Motion capture is not something that they want to use, that they really use for entire movies, entire animated movies now. But at the time, it was something that re- was really being uh, kicked around and tried out. And I think it was a it was a good experiment, I guess. Motion capture now is kind of used when you want to have a realistic monster in your movie that has real people in it. But this was like motion capturing every single character in the movie. Mm. You know? So, yeah, we didn't. We You said 2006. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, we didn't we didn't see any scary movies. Um, I, 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 yeah, I heard about it. I have nothing against it. It wasn't a oh my god, I don't want to see this. It just it just was not at a time in my life when I could have seen it. Um, my my stepdaughter uh, was not. She she's she's autistic with, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Um, and like we had to leave the SpongeBob, the first SpongeBob movie, when a bucket fell out of the s- ceiling and landed on Poseidon's head. Oh yeah. Um, so like we could not go to anything even remotely scary at the time. Um, and then it, it was just one of those movies that just sort of faded into the background after it came out. Um, I may I may check it out. It is currently on uh, Netflix, so. Hmm. It's available right now. <laughs> All right. Rick, go ahead. E.T. I still remember when E.T. came out because it was, it was, um, I don't know. No, it, it was 1982 or three. I think it was um, 83. Yeah. It was 83 because E.T. and Poltergeist came out the same year. And I remember Spielberg saying that E.T. was his dream and Poltergeist was his nightmare. Um, I don't mention Poltergeist in this because there is no way in hell I would show that movie to my kid. <laughs> um, I, I remember uh, riding my bike in Gainesville. This was when I was at the University of Florida for my freshman year, riding my bike to go see Poltergeist. Uh, and it it's a great movie and it scared the crap out of me. Oh, I was wrong. Uh, it was 1982. Not, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 80, 80, I graduated in 82. Uh, it, the, the, the whole 82, 83 is kind of, I'm not sure when exactly things fell, but um, E.T. is a great movie. And E.T. is a movie I would happily show to my child. And I have tried on numerous occasions, but she's not interested. Um, the reason I bring it up in a Halloween context is because there's a wonderful trick or treating scene when the the kids take E.T. out trick-or-treating and they just put a sheet over him, like, you know, as, as a ghost. And a little kid walks by dressed in a Yoda costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, E.T. was a, was Spielberg and, you know, 82. So we're, we're pre-Jedi, uh, pre-Return to the Jedi. And so it, it was just it was just such a cute moment. And E.T. is such a cute movie, but it will tear your heart out. (laughs) Um, My mom was not 
terribly technically savvy. My mom had trouble with a toaster. The t- the, the, I remember going to work with my mom when I was a kid and seeing her change a toner in a copy machine and being floored by the fact that she could do that because I had literally seen her baffled by a toaster oven. Um, so when VCRs came out, they didn't, you know, my folks didn't want one because they couldn't figure out how to work one. And then, you know, finally my brother and I chipped in because VCRs were not cheap at the, you know, at the beginning, my brother and I chipped in and bought them a VCR and we got them a bunch of videos that they never watched. You know, my stepdad was a huge James Bond fan. We got him a ton of John, James Bond movies that the day they, you know, when we were cleaning out their house, when they both, after they had both passed away, they were still in the freaking cellophane. They you just, you know, <laughs> um, but one year for her birthday. Um, and, you know, this was back when, when movies cost like 60, 70 bucks to buy on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom wanted to see E.T., and I couldn't afford to buy the movie, so but I had two VCRs. And if I don't know if you guys ever did the you know hooking one VCR to another to 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 do the equivalent of what Scott does digitally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. Did that too. I rent. I rented ET, and I I dubbed it off, and I still remember. It was, it, you know, I was, it was, I was recording it in my bedroom and I, you know, watched, you know, the opening credits to make sure it was working. And then I turned it off and then I came back when I thought it should be done and I turned it on and it was right at the scene where we thought E.T. was dead. And I started freaking bawling. I wasn't even watching the movie. <laughs> I just started <laughs> crying because there's that whole section of the movie where you think E.T. is dead and and Elliot is just I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. <laughs> it is such a great movie, but it will tear your heart out. And it has a wonderfully happy ending. If you don't, I, I'm not spoiling anything on a you know 25 year old movie, but you know it has a happy ending. So it is totally cool to show it to your kids as long as they can. It would be through. a 39 year old movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that hurts. Anyway. <laughs> um, I think it's a wonderful Halloween movie. The The whole Halloween scene is wonderful. Um, it, I think it still holds up as some of the best practical visual effects ever. Um, I don't I don't even mind that Spielberg went back and digitally changed the, the guns to walkie-talkies. I don't care. That's that doesn't change the movie. Well, you know what's funny so. is that uh uh George Lucas canonized those uh ET mm-hmm. aliens into Star Wars. Yep. So <laughs> ET seeing a Yoda costume has a whole different context. It does, yeah. <laughs> um Oh, you guys know about Yoda? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. What about you? You got another one? Um, I'm I'm kind of surprised that this one hasn't come up already. But um, and, and again, uh, more themed around Christmas, but even less of a Christmas movie than Nightmare Before Christmas. I think I know where you're going. What do you think, Gremlins? Exactly right. One hundred percent correct. Gremlins. Um. It not always so comes much. up in the in the is this a Christmas movie or not? Is it, no, it's not. 
It's not a Christmas <laughs> movie. Um, uh, definitely more of a uh, uh, Halloween slash horror movie than Gremlins. I, I mean, Gremlins 2 is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Finish the title, Scott. Um, <laughs> Gremlins 2, definitely a, a, a comedy. Definitely. First, a, first sillier, yes. Yeah. Um, which I think is fine. I think Joe Dante can do you know whatever he wants under under those circumstances. If you make Gremlins into what it was, you know, you make Gremlins 2 how you want to make it. Uh, but the first one... Did you see Gremlins 2 in the movies? Uh, in the theaters, no, I did not. Oh, okay. Because that, that, that whole scene where you kind of have to be in the, in the theater to appreciate it. Where the mm-hmm. film yeah, breaks. They, yeah. they, repl- they replaced it with something else for, for the oh, did home they? video. Yeah. Yeah. In the know. theater, it was John Wayne and on video, it was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cause, Cause um, it, when we saw it in the movies, it looked like the, the, the film broke and, and then you see the gremlin. Yeah. That's, around. that's still there in the, in the, on video, but on video it's Hulk Hogan that stands up and tells them to, Stop. And, put the movie and back I on. think I, I don't think they did like a like a film strip or a film reel going off track and getting hung up and burning. I think they made it more of a like VHS distortion and a tracking problem and oh. and then it went to snow and then uh then the Hulkster comes out and starts browbeating the, the gremlins for, for doing that and telling them to put the movie back on. It, it is it it you know that kind of thing had been done before, but but with Gremlins two, they did it really well, and I bought it for a second. And then when you started seeing the shadows of the Gremlins, like, oh, all right, all right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I just very very clever. Um, mm-hmm. But the first movie, it can be it can be quite unsettling. It's far I, grimmer than you ever expected it to be. Yeah. And and not overtly like terrifying as far as the the, the scares that it puts in there, but it it'll it'll get your blood pumping closer to the closer to the end of the movie. They kill people. <laughs> it's like hypodermics and microwaves. <laughs> oh yeah, I think the, I think the I think the kills in the in the middle of the movie are scarier than the towards the end. Towards the end, it kind of turns cartoonish because it's. It's almost like a. It turns into like a Tom and Jerry cartoon towards the end, where they're just chasing each other around in the in the department store. But in the middle, when they're chasing after the mom, and then the doctor is mm-hmm. getting in, in the in the in the the professor at the school is getting it, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it it uh, uh, the gremlin like you know pulls the doctor's arm into the cage and mm-hmm. you know starts shouting, and then you just see him dead with with needles in him. Yeah. So, um. Mm-hmm. And then you know, mom beheads a gremlin, and then the gremlin in the microwave. That was like that was the one that everyone took away uh, after the movie. That's the one that they. That's the image that they lived with after they left. Was uh, yeah, microwave gremlin. <laughs> um, putting a gremlin in the juicer. Whoa, <laughs> there, See, it, I, I don't know that I would it. show that to. I mean, you know, if your kids are are teenagers, maybe I don't know that gremlins really would count as family friendly though. We watched it yeah. at school. <laughs> they put it on for us that at explains school. Explains a lot. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, you know, a part of it is going to depend on the age of the viewer that you're talking about. And some of that can be uh, the the youngness of the viewer can be somewhat counteracted uh, by taking into account the fact that the worst of the violence shown in the movie 
is to their gremlins who aren't humans. So you can almost cartoonify the, the, the violence in your mind because they're, they're fake. Uh, they're fake monsters. I will say that I showed it to Gracie when she was about 10 and she's still mad at me. <laughs> she yeah, she I, said she had I bad think older older kids would enjoy it. I, I think, you know, I would certainly not show this to, to my daughter right now. She would not, right. yeah. she would not dig it. And then you have to explain the whole speech about the dad, the dad getting stuck in the chimney and <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so go, go ahead and skip to gremlins 2 first and then you can go back and show her the first one in a couple of years when she's when she's a little older now there there was a cartoon wasn't there a gremlins cartoon not that i recall i don't think so now there was tons and tons of toys yeah. that's another yeah. one that's uh this weird what we talked about uh last week with uh you know cartoons based off of inappropriate things they made a lot of toys and dolls and things like that based off of gremlins mm-hmm. and it's a horror movie and you're making these fuzzy little cute little dolls to play with and yeah stuff. and but before we jump off the the topic of gremlins since we have mentioned gremlins too i will just recommend to you guys and to everyone listening um if you haven't seen it already there is a uh a key and peel sketch that they did for their show once upon a time of it's a, like, like a Hollywood writer's room uh, back in whatever year it was like, you know, the eighties or whatever, um, a big long table, a bunch of people sitting around it. And the guy at the head of the table says, all right, guys, I want to uh, thank you all for uh, coming together on this. Uh, as you know, we are, uh, we're, we are writing the script for gremlins Two. This is essentially a movie that writes itself. Uh, just uh, we'll pay respect to the original. We'll uh, hit the same story beats and and make the same jokes. It'll be like printing money. <laughs> and this this is um, um, Keegan that's playing that uh, exec as he's given that that speech, and then Jordan Peele shows up in the background. Imagine. Um, Imagine Hollywood from Mannequin and Mannequin 2 with the the very loud 80s uh, outfit and the weirdly shaped sunglasses, the the bleach blonde hair that that sticks straight up like, uh, but, you know, with that blonde hair sticking straight up. And he comes in as the as a sequel doctor for Hollywood where he just comes in and he, and he, you know, it's his job to punch up and fix sequels and make them better, make them pop. He ends up going around the table and having every writer at the table, just volunteer an idea for a theme, a themed gremlin. And everyone gives a ridiculous idea for what gremlin they want to add into the movie. By the end of it, he says, I love them all. They're all going to be in the movie. This is going to be great. I got to go, y'all. I got to find a way to put Cowboys in Back to the Future 3. Bye. (laughs) And the executive at the table turns around and says, well, obviously, none of those will be in the actual movie. Freeze frame with a super title. All of those are in the actual movie. (laughs) Sure, I might have spoiled the sketch, but it's still going to be hilarious. I've seen it at least six times, and it's still funny every time I watch it. That sketch is amazing. (laughs) 
They've got a Mountain Dew commercial out right now that's got Gizmo in it and the and the guy that played the kid in Gremlins. Of course, he's you know fifty years old now or something. Um. Well, the kid. I mean, Corey Feldman was. No, a not kid that kid in Gremlins. You're talking about the main character. Yeah, Zach. Uh, he was not. He was not a kid. Don't call him a kid. Come on. He was like like early twenties. His character was early twenties in the movie. Okay. He's not a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Peltzer was not a kid, and he was played by Zach Galligan. Yeah, Zach Galligan. I can't think of anything that he's done besides the Gremlins movies. I'm not going to say that he's not a good actor, but I'm not sure that he's a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He, he didn't have a good agent, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one on my list is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark from 2019. I do not recommend this for small kids because um, scary stories tell in the dark. These, these were, these were books when I was a kid and they were pretty scary books for kids. Uh, I watched were, the trailer. I saw the spider leg. I wouldn't yeah. recommend this movie for me. <laughs> well, the thing is, these, these books that. were, uh, these were not new stories. These were classic folktale stories and they were just being retold. And um, the thing about the books was the illustrations. The illustrations were creepy as hell. The movie did a really good job of taking those illustrations and turning them into realistic characters. And uh, but the, the 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 way the movie did it was it uh, it had a book that would write itself, and as you read the story something is happening to one of the kids. It's almost, it's almost like they took the scary stories telling dark, which is a, a, a book of a bunch of short stories. And they tried to turn it into like a final girl uh, type, not a slasher movie, but the, along the same lines where one by one, something keeps happening to the kids in this group and they're getting pulled into the book is what it is. And they're, they're, they're getting absorbed by the characters in these stories. And, uh, and they did a pretty good job of, of bringing some of those stories to life. I enjoyed it. I don't know that it'll ever get a sequel. They, they, they've talked about a sequel for a while, but, uh, then the pandemic happened and everything. So I, I don't know, but yeah, if, if you're, if your child is like 11 or 12, it'd be all right. They're going to get, they're probably going to get scared by some of the images or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And I was a grown, I was a grown person when I watched it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. Um, I'm not surprised. It's not. I mean, it's really <laughs> it's marketed towards uh, not kids, but young adults or whatever. But it just caught my eye because I was such a big fan of the books when I was a kid. So I wanted to check it out. But um, by the way, there is a pending Gremlins cartoon called Gremlins: Secrets of the Mogwai, and one of the voice talents in it is Ming-Na Wen. What does pending mean? I mean there's something that somebody's uh there it's probably been pitched, maybe announced, but it's not being made yet. It's an HBO Max. Oh, it says it's supposed to come out in 2021, so they're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> how, much you, how much do you want to bet that Ming-Na Wen is going to be the 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 person running the antique shop now? She is playing a character named 
thong wing. I guarantee you that she's running the, the <laughs> antique shop now. Because the old man was actually no, the, the the old man died in the second movie. Okay. Yeah. So he's not running the shop anymore. So yeah, she's she's gonna be running the store. Oh yeah, that okay. says that this is gonna air on Cartoon Network as part of their Acme Night block. Uh they've already renewed it for a second season and the first one hasn't even been released yet, so Okay. I just cool. love anything Ming Na does. So, <laughs> yeah, Ming Na Win as as Fong Wing. It's got the entire. Oh, so, okay. So this is about the Wing family. So this is because there's like four characters whose last name are Wing in this. Um. All right, let's go around one more time. Rick, what's your last one? Okay. Uh, probably one of my favorite. Family friendly and with an asterisk because I know Virginia would disagree. If you've heard uh, <laughs> her, 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 and uh, her, her review of of this, what, oh, I can't believe I can't. What was the name of that of their their movie show? Wait, you've never seen. Wait, you've never seen. Right? Yes. Um, I'm sorry, Virginia. I'm I'm bordering on early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> um. <laughs> Beetlejuice. When when I mentioned earlier that I had a Halloween party where we watched Psycho 2, the backup movie that we rented was Beetlejuice. Because my mom was like, in case we have to turn this one off, we're going to watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> I love Beetlejuice, not only because it's just a fun movie, and I adore everybody in the movie. Uh, um, uh, Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, uh, Winona Ryder. Oh God! The, the, oh Jesus! I'm. Oh, I hate it. I. I. She was on Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Thank you. Um, the dude that was. Don't say Jeffrey Jones. That, hmm? Yeah, let's leave him out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's leave him out of this. Wait, what? What? I'm not. I'm not denying he was in the movie because he was in the movie, but but we. Why don't we like him anymore? Because of child pornography. Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah, this is ages ago. The guy that was the father. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, I missed that. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The guy from, uh, what was it? Um, was he Ferris Bueller? Yeah, Ferris yeah. Bueller's Dale. The, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, Jesus. That's him. All right, well... Uh, yeah, he is. He, um, um, he he ha, he has become persona non grata. I'm trying to result. pull his. I'm trying to pull his name up, but it's my computer's acting kind of weird. I didn't know that. Um, damn it! I hate it when when you've got one actor who ruins so many people's good. Well, I mean, you can still. Stuff. I mean, you can still like the movie. I mean, it's 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 not. You know, I, I go back and watch. Stuff that has uh, Kevin Spacey in it, but I'm not going to go and and watch anything that he makes <laughs> from now yeah. on. In 2003, he pleaded no contest to a charge of soliciting a minor to pose for nude photographs, and had subsequent arrests for failing to update his sex offender status. So yeah, it's God, been 18 years. Well, I missed that one. Yeah, but anyway, Beetlejuice is a one is a is a very fun movie. Um, 
Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore now. So <laughs> next. <laughs> no, all right, let's let, all right, let's forget Beetlejuice and and talk about Labyrinth. There are no pedophiles in Labyrinth, as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, as far as we know. <laughs> um, Labyrinth. Jennifer Connelly, David Bowie, Jim Henson's Muppet Workshop all over the place. Uh, wonderful, fun movie. Um, one of my wife's favorites, one of my favorites. Uh, I think it still holds up because there are there are no... Or if there are, you know, there there may be a matte painting here or there, but for the most part, there are no CG or special visual effects. It's all Muppets. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works beautifully. Uh, you know, there's there there are a few musical numbers because David Bowie's in it. They don't necessarily fit in with the movie. They kind of feel a little out of place, but it's David Bowie. So what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's just, it's a very fun movie. It's a very complex movie, but it has a, a wonderful ending. And it's one of those movies. I love ambiguity. I've always loved ambiguity. And the ending of labyrinth is wonderfully ambiguous. You really don't know you know, kind of like Total Recall. You don't know when you leave the the you know when you turn the movie off or leave the theater or whatever. You're not sure if what you just watched happened or not, because you could you could make an argument for either way. You know, did all of this just happen, or was Jennifer Connelly's character asleep the whole time? It, it's you know, around the same time Legend came out with Tim Curry and uh, Mia, Mia Sarah and uh, Tom Cruise. And it's, they're like night and day. Labyrinth is a wonderful, cohesive, fantastic, if uh, uh, um, surreal adventure. Legend is just a hot mess with famous people who, who are, you know, with some incredible makeup effects. Um and I just, I think Labyrinth is a joy to watch. Legend is a chore. <laughs> <laughs> you can just okay. skip ahead to any scene that has Tim Curry in it because he's yeah. always amazing. Except that that, the, it, that that movie messed him up for life because he played darkness and he was in this amazing outfit. But those horns were real steer horns. That whole head, that whole headpiece he was wearing weighed so much it messed up his back for the rest of his life i had no idea yeah it 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 actually damaged his neck and back it was so heavy yeah i i forget who i forget who directed legend i want to say it was a a name director but i i I don't know offhand but uh but labyrinth is you know a lot of people love the dark crystal. I don't, I find the dark crystal tedious as hell. It's, it's visually amazing, but I think the story is just boring. Labyrinth on the other hand is the perfect combination of Jim Henson's genius and his, you know, Jim Henson as, as a corporate, as a group, not necessarily just him, but you know, if you watch labyrinth, the, the sheer, imaginativeness of all of the puppets in it and all the Muppets 
with the exception of that fire demon thing, because that just freaks everybody out, and I don't disagree. Um, it's 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 brilliant, and it's so well done. The Dark Crystal, I totally get what they were going for. It was the first and only all Muppet movie that was, you know, not the Muppet movie. <laughs> um, but I just, I just, I, I've never been able to sit through the entirety of the Dark Crystal without fidgeting and and pausing it a dozen times. Um, you know, on the other hand, my wife loves the Dark Crystal. My daughter has never been able to get through it. So I, I just I think Labyrinth is is a brilliant movie. There are you know there's a couple other films that fall into that same category, um, but I I think Labyrinth is is the acme of what you can do mixing live action and and muppetry, if that's a word. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about Labyrinth. But <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I like. I mean, uh, Jim Henson could do some great stuff other than Muppets because because he used to have that uh, Jim Henson story story time or storyteller or whatever that came out in the '90s that was just like a 30 minute um, story where Jim Henson mm-hmm. would create these creatures and stuff and I and I used to love that, but I watched Labyrinth to be on Virginia's podcast a couple of years ago and. I wasn't crazy about it, but <laughs> you know, you're entitled to be wrong every now and then. <laughs> All right. You Scott. hate everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the one that loves everything. <laughs> All right, Scott, what's your last one? Um, I, I'm worried about creating a trend, but I guess this just shows that in his earlier days, he was good at making you know, scary or semi-scary movies. Uh, and he was less apt to make a shitty movie as he is these days. This is Tim Burton. Once again, I think Edward Scissorhands is a fine Halloween movie. It's not overly scary. It's the quieter side of horror. It's, it's got the, the 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 gothic feel with the flashback scenes and the general aesthetic of of Edward the notion of a guy with scissors for hands uh yeah. you know there's a tension that's always there as long as he has shears on his on his hands wasn't that uh um Vincent Price's last movie yes i hate how i i keep losing names that i've known my entire goddamn life in this when I done <laughs> a podcast, yeah, that that was th- this was not my favorite Tim Burton movie. Um, it's a little too romantic for my tastes, mm. but uh, mm. I, I don't dislike it. It just it just wasn't my cup of tea. But you know, Vincent Price can do no wrong in my book. And at the he, time, neither could Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, he was he he was on a a solid uh, winning streak. Back in those days, um, yeah, because that was right around the time that Batman Returns had come out, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if, and Mars Attacks is one of my all-time favorite movies. If during the week of Halloween, if your family is making a habit of okay, we're going to watch a Halloween movie every night because it's the week of Halloween, wahoo, yay! If you're doing that, then Edward Scissorhands is what you put in the middle uh, as a palate cleanser, as to take a breather. You put it in Edward Scissorhands. It still has a lot of those themes. 
it feels very, you know, Halloween holiday ish, but uh, it's not overly frightening. It gets tense near the end. Like when people start to turn on Edward, when he accidentally uh, injures the son. And then of course you get to the end and Anthony Michael Hall, the nerd from breakfast club being the bully of the town and his, uh, um, his rough demise at the end of the film. Um, the whole thing comes together really, really well. It's such a beautifully made film. Alan Arkin is incredible. He's hilarious in that movie. Hilariously understated in his performance. He does so good. It, it's it's been it's been a while. We should all watch it again. <laughs> the last one that I'm going to bring up is it's not really a a Halloween themed movie, but uh, it's uh, Coco from 2017, and mm. I thought this movie was really good. It was it was heartbreaking. It was hilarious. It's already it uh, it, four years old. Yeah, yeah, it's been out for a while. And my wife and I watched this. We didn't need our, our kids were grown. So we, uh, we watched this by ourselves and loved it. And, uh, it's centered around day of the dead. So it's not really a Halloween movie, but it has afterlife and it has ghosts and skeletons and all that in it. So I think it's a good pick. Um, I recommend it to families. It deals a lot with family and with the death of a loved one. So I think it's a really good movie to watch if you have kids that may have experienced losing somebody for the first time recently, not like yesterday, but you know, within the last few months or a year or something like that, it might help them process some of those feelings. Um, uh, and the music is really, it's got some wonderful music in this movie. Uh, so if you want something that's just, it's got some spooky aspects to it, but it's not really scary. I think Coco is a good one. So we tried to watch that. I think maybe last year. And uh, Sharon got about, I don't know, half an hour into it and decided it wasn't something she wanted to watch anymore of. So okay. Maybe if your kids are, are not, are a little younger. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it was about it that. Most of the characters in the movie are skeletons because they're dead. Yeah. But they're not drawn like realistic skeletons. They're they're cartoonish looking skeletons. So it's easy to I think it should be easy to separate. But, you know, every kid sees things in their own way. So, well, l- l- let me put it this way. Um, and I, I think Sharon may, you know, my, she's my daughter. I, I haven't tried to influence her on things of this nature, but like, I, I am not a fan of really intense horror. Mm-hmm. This is well known. A lot of times people will say to me, you should watch this movie. It's not particularly gory. And I have to explain to them that I don't have a problem with gore. Guts, blood, that doesn't bother me. It's concepts that bother me. And I think my daughter is very much the same way. You know, I can watch an incredibly badly made 1970s horror film where the effects are so clearly, you know, orange paint and, you know, sausages or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But if the concept is frightening, that'll stay with me. Yeah. You know, I watched Suspiria 
the 1970s Suspiria uh, and fell asleep <laughs> because neither the concept nor the execution I found particularly scary. Um, but I've also watched, you know, absolutely mediocre films that had terrifying concepts that stuck with me or, or been told about movies I never even saw that still stick with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Sharon and I tried to watch Coco, I was in, you know, I, I won't say I was enjoying it. I, I didn't dislike it though, but at one point she was just like, I don't want to watch this anymore. She has not dealt with losing anyone yet. Um, you know, which is great. Yeah. You know, I wish at 10 years old, I could say I hadn't been to a funeral yet. Um, but the, the, the concept of it was more than she wanted to deal with. Um, just because there isn't anything particularly visually scary doesn't mean that it's not going to disturb younger kids. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the fact that most of the characters in the movie are dead, uh, that might be disturbing for some kids. You know, like I said, every kid has their own thing that, yeah. uh, that might put them on edge or whatever. But I think it, it does a good job of, uh, humanizing the characters enough to where. Oh, it, it's a really good movie. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I'm, I'm not, I'm not dissing the movie. I'm just saying that. You know, it may not be as family, you know, as as okay for younger kids as as yeah. All these things that we're talking about, I mean, you, you just have to pay attention to your kids. You, yeah, you can't get so wrapped up in the movie that you don't really like. I like, like I made a joke earlier about Gracie still being mad at me for making her watch Gremlins because I was watching the movie. I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that <laughs> she was getting scared. Uh, but you know, if you could turn back time, I guess. <laughs> um, if you could find a way, <laughs> I wanted to throw out a few. Um, these are just some, uh, some that I didn't really want to go into in depth, but uh, I think that they're good uh, movies for uh, for kids for Halloween. But the Haunted Mansion is is. I I thought it was great. It didn't do it didn't do that great in the theater, but if you like like um The Shining, the Amityville Horror, this is a good family-friendly take on some of those tropes, the haunting, that kind of stuff. Uh I know we saw it. I can't remember anything about it, but I I remember that we liked it. I I, yeah, I remember I being enjoyed surprised it, yeah. that we liked it. Um Mr. Boogity. I I just I only brought that up because I saw I was watching the the Star Wars stuff on on Disney Plus yesterday, and I saw that Mister Boogity was on Disney Plus, and I haven't seen that movie since Mr. I was a kid. Boogity, yeah, it's just about like a boogeyman. It's a it's it's a very corny uh, haunted house type movie. There's a a ghost that lives in a house. His name is Mister Boogity, and uh, and it's just I mean it's a it, it was like a Disney Channel, not Disney Channel, but like a the Walt Disney Sunday night movie of the week or whatever. It was one of those. They, they actually made like two or three of them. Uh, the ghost, of, the ghost of Mr. Chicken. Oh God, that is one of my 
favorite movies. <laughs> You've actually seen The Ghost of Mr. Chicken? Oh, I'm yeah, impressed. I've seen it. Look, I grew up on the Andy Griffith show. I've seen everything Don Knotts has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was such a wonderful movie. That and The Reluctant Astronaut. Um, yeah. Y- y'all, may not re- y- y'all may not know Don Knotts beyond anything other than The Andy Griffith Show and, and maybe Three's Company. But The Ghost of Mr. Chicken... Don Knotts plays a reporter who is trying to 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 make it big, and he gets challenged to spend the night in a haunted house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hijinks ensue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the adventures of Ichabod and Mister Toad. Now that that almost put that on my list. That title is misleading because that is not a movie about Ichabod and Mister Toad. It's two different movies that they spliced together and released as one like double feature because. They're only about 45 minutes each. So the put them together. They make scared the crap out of me. Yeah. We used to watch that in school. Every Halloween, they would show that to us in school mm-hmm. and it got less scary. By the time we were watching it in the fifth grade, it was a lot less scary than when they showed it to us in the second grade. But you know, <laughs> that, um, that, that's the one with, with, with Bing Crosby singing the soundtrack to it. Uh-huh. it? Yeah. 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 Goodbye. Goodbye. Crane. I laugh because we have a manager at my job that looks a lot like that guy. And uh, he'll he'll come into the office, and when he leaves, I'll start humming the Ichabod Crane song, um, and and uh, Goosebumps that came out a few years ago with Jack Black. I think they made a sequel, but I haven't watched the sequel yet. Uh, but the first one was it was okay. It was it was kind of a how do you take how do you take a hundred books and make a movie out of a hundred books? And I think they found a pretty cool way of doing it where uh Jack Black plays R.L. Stein or like a version of R.L. Stein and he is uh his his goosebumps characters are coming alive out of the books and stuff. So they've got some of the if you've ever read any of the Goosebumps books, which my kids used to read them and uh I would read them with them sometimes. Some of those books can actually be kind of creepy, but uh if you've ever read any of those books, um there's like that ventriloquist doll that is in the movie. The thing is creepy in the books. (laughs) It's not as creepy on screen when you see it as it is when it's described in the books and stuff. But, uh, but yeah. And when in doubt, like I said, reach for a Scooby-Doo movie because there's lots of animated Scooby-Doo movies out there. I actually used to have to tell my kids on Friday night when it's time to go to Blockbuster and pick out a movie, I would have to say, look, nothing with Scooby-Doo this week. We're, we're not watching a Scooby-Doo movie this week. And nine times out of 10, we ended up leaving with a Scooby-Doo movie. Um, uh, honorable mention to Adam's family movies. Yeah. I keep meaning to go back and watch the latest because the, 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 the new one is coming out next. As we're recording this, it's next week. By the time it comes out, it's already out. The, the animated Adam's family. Yeah, I haven't watched I, the I haven't first seen any yet. of those. Yeah. I just, you know. But yeah, the live action Angelica Houston as yeah. Morticia is just, <laughs> and they actually made they made one that was like a straight to video that had uh, Tim Curry as Gomez hmm. that I remember watching years ago. I can't even remember the name of it now, but it was supposed to be like a sequel to those movies. But uh, Adam's Family Reunion. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I was working at the video store when that was okay. released. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's with, with Daryl Hannah as Morticia. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just, you know, Raul Julia, 
I'm sure that there will be people that can play Gomez Adams, but I don't know that anyone's ever going to touch Raul Julia's performance. He, he absolutely nailed it. You, you wish that his uh, two movie turn as Gomez was the last thing that he did. Yeah. But it was. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't need to speak of that. <laughs> we should, that could be a topic. All of so that could be yeah. a whole episode of. Well, I brought it up. You know, I did a, I did a panel that I recorded and, and I released as a podcast a couple of years ago where I talked about uh, video game adaptations and I said Street Fighter was the movie that was so bad that it killed Raul Julia. <laughs> oh, ouch. No, bad. <laughs> and then I said, too soon? <laughs> Always too soon. For <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the end of the episode, but there's more that you can hear. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash potato and learn how to become one of our patrons. You can get early access to episodes. Uh, like this particular episode, if you're a patron, you would have heard this already. Uh, also we do, um, we do film commentaries every month. And this month, by the time this is out, uh, our commentary for the room is already out, even though we haven't done it yet, but it was a lot of fun to do it. So go and check it no, out. It wasn't. Rick hated it. <laughs> and uh, you can find that on uh, patreon.com slash infinite potato. And I'd like to thank our Patreon producers because they're the ones that give us a monthly donation in the second and third tiers. Uh, they are Tom Corcoran, Jeff Hughes, Bullet Bingal, Brandon Ushio, and Del Goodall. So thank you all for your donations. It helps us out a lot. And I want to thank everybody for being here. Scott, thanks for joining us. Where can we, uh, where can we hear your lovely dulcet tones? My lovely dulcet tones can be found. <clears throat> <laughs> Listeners can hear me right here. <laughs> Listeners can hear me right here on this very podcast, as well as that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on Captain Game Show. Uh, and as the former host of the Prime Direction, all shows existing within the Infinite Potato Alliance podcast network. I'm currently in pre-production of my new show. I watch that for a dollar where I sit down with a guest, different guest every episode and review a film that I found and purchased at my local dollar store. Uh, episodes are being produced and will be released uh, once the season is ready on a probably a bi-weekly basis um if you don't want to wait to listen to me and you would rather see some of my work instead you can visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com to see my graphic artwork such as posters social media avatars uh uh wallpapers so on and so forth um and if you don't want to go through the entire website you can uh just check out my twitter at planet rise all right rick where can we find you well, you can find me on uh, Starbase 66 or Open the Iris or theoretically on uh, the the Prime Direction when I ever get off my ass and actually get that one underway um, or Cosmic Potato or that Star Trek podcast or occasionally on Captain Game Show or no, no more ors. That's it. Those. Look for <laughs> me there. <laughs> If you want to find us and just listen to the end of the show and we'll let you know how you can contact us. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to join us again next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. When you might hear John say, I can't claim credit for this one, 
Someone on Facebook asked what invention has done more harm than good, and someone responded, glitter. And my friend Stephen Jackson said, glitter was the herpes of the craft world. And I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say anything more perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. Or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Brought to you by infinitepotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.